What's going on, everybody? It's Logan back for the exchange. Another episode of the exchange. Happy Friday, everybody. Hopefully you're all doing well. Uh, we got a great guest today. Before I get to him, though, a couple programming notes off the top. Like always, tell a friend about the podcast, man. Every week I get to sit down with a different person and get to hear about their life, where they got uh, or how they got to where they are, their journey, uh, and just what they're doing in life right now. And it's a lot of fun. I get to talk to some cool people. We're coming up here on the end of season two of the show. Every every 25 episodes, we take a couple month break to kind of refresh and and gather some guests for the next season. We got a couple episodes left, but uh, but we're but we're doing it, man. Uh, on Instagram, you can follow along for updates to the show. Uh, the handle is Exchange with Logan. It's Exchange W Logan. The Exchange podcast was taken. Exchange pod taken. I had to get creative with this handle. You guys know that I've I've had like three or four handles because they just none of them sound right. And Exchange with Logan, I guess, is the best I can do. So follow us on there for updates when the new episodes are posted. And then if you want, follow me on Instagram and Twitter personally if you'd like. It's Logan Lewis ninety six. There you can see my awful uh content uh attempts with my with my french fries and my with my dumb movie review tweets and all that stuff go check it out on twitter and instagram but anyway the guest i've got today is a uh it's a content machine he's uh now currently uh the man behind the up-and-coming movement that's a nice touch uh his name is jr hickey what's up man Loden, we've been circling this for a while now, man. I've been meaning to hop on with you. It's been probably six months we've been talking about this, so I appreciate <laughs> you finally giving me a chance. All good, man. Yeah, you like you. We were talking a little bit before off mic that you know you just moved. You you got a new job. I just told you I got engaged. Yeah. Things have been wild the past six, basically twenty twenty one so far. So yeah, in more um, ways than one, but yeah. So, yeah, so I'm glad that we I was able finally to get you. You know, I always I feel this me being a small time podcaster, kind of a, trying to be an up and coming content creator and and such. I find myself when I DM people like like you or like I've DM'd people like uh, people that run in the same circle, like I've Michael Weiner or Dylan Shivery, those kinds of people when I DM them over and over again asking like hey like following up on this or hey seeing yeah. how you feel about this still i always have this slight like fear in the back of my head that they're gonna open it and be like this stupid kid like messaging me again to be on his dumb podcast like so i'm, I'm thankful that you respond pretty quick and you're like yeah let's do it man so appreciate you taking the time to i know you're busy like you said unpacking and getting settled so thanks again for jumping on no problem and we were talking off mic about this but i stand by this like I think probably a year ago when the pandemic hit, a lot of people started podcasts and I made the mistake of doing a lot of them just because people were asking me. And I realized that like a lot of them, a lot of the podcasters didn't really have a future in it or didn't really have like their like hearts set on like making it. And you strike me as a guy who takes this seriously, who's like, got this all buttoned up. You got a whole network of stuff. I just, I can just tell you, you know, you're, you're you got your foot on the gas pedal. So uh, I'm happy to, Happen to pod with someone who takes pod and seriously, because as someone who has done it for five plus years, it's not easy and it's very much a job. And I don't know, it's like working with someone who doesn't take their job seriously. You don't really want to do that. But uh, yeah, man, 
happy to be here. Yeah, man. Thanks for saying that. It's it's nice to hear, especially from, like you said, people that have been in the game for quite a while and people that have done it. It's it's always nice to hear that people think that I take it serious. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I, I love doing it so much, just like I'm sure you with, with your pods and stuff. Even if nobody listened, I would still put episodes out every week. Like if I check the stats and it said zero listeners... I just I just get my most comfortable version of myself when when I'm sitting behind a microphone. So, um, yeah, man, I love doing it and I love getting to be able to talk to to really cool people. And and you I've, I've followed for probably around a, a year, year and a half ever since uh, ever since I started following um, back in the Grand X stage with days with touching base. Um, ever since I followed those guys, I, I started following the same you know, personalities on Twitter with you and the, the washed media guys. And then that's when they launched uh, so many screens a year or so ago. And I saw that you were the co-host of that. And I listened along on that. So, uh, and ever since then, man, you, like I said, at the top, you're a content machine. You, we talked a little off mic that you're just constantly putting stuff out there. And that's kind of the same mindset I have. Like it might not be perfect, but it's something that you can put out there and maybe people will latch onto it. And if they do great, if they don't, then whatever. Yeah, man. First off, I want to thank you for being one of the very few listeners of so many screens. Uh, <laughs> RIP to a great little podcast. I did uh, my co-host cat Pat and I three months last summer, early pandemic, just trying to figure it out. Um, yeah, I miss doing it, but I don't miss the, uh, lack of listeners that we had was, did you was, did you really have i i'm not, i don't want this to be an opened up on of a behind the yeah. scenes of so many screens Whatever, if you yeah. don't want it to be but like i i always wondered when when that podcast started up i was like okay so this is wash taking a crack at the at the pop culture thing mm-hmm. and or or you know the entertainment movie tvs whatever uh and then when you guys announced your finale episode at like episode 13 or 14 i was like what i mean yeah you, it wasn't 13 or 14. It was like, uh, I think it was like 20. I think we had 20. Total. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. You, you know what? You're right. It was 20. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, long story short, the, you know, podcasting like for money is a numbers based game. You have to hit a certain number of listens, downloads, et cetera, to monetize or to be worth, you know, uh, washed time. And, uh, uh, we were ambitious. So, you know, Dave, Will, Dylan, and I, we all go pretty far back to uh, the granddad's days. And I think I was one of the first guests on Touching Base. I was like episode five. Um, oh, wow. back when Back when they were like, they were like new to the potting game too. We all kind of were. Um, and so what happened was, long story short, I, I did some pod stuff with them back then with post-grad problems. I then started another podcast that Bro Bible bought uh, about the television show Entourage called Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah. And that pretty much consumed my life for two years because um, I had a bunch of metrics I had to hit. I had a bunch of guests I had to book. I did all the marketing, all the social media, all the production, all the editing. And like you, Logan, at that exact same time, I was engaged and getting married and planning a wedding. So I was doing that. And um, my contract at Bro Bible was up for renewal. In April of 2020, and in January, I started talking to the Bro Bible guys, you know, the guys that we're closely with there, and was like, listen, this Entourage podcast, it's doing well, but I really know more about this. I know more than just this TV show from 20 years ago. I know a lot about pop culture. I used to work at a television network. 
I'd love to do like a pop culture podcast. And so I pitched Bro Bible so many screens. It was called So Many Screens. It was was a different co-host, uh, different like kind of vibe. But um, And they were like, yeah, man, we'll renew your contract and we'll get so many screens off the ground. And that was in March of 2020 and the global yeah. pandemic hit and yep. they didn't renew any contracts and all new money was put on hold. And I was suddenly left hanging in the wind with, no podcast, a podcast idea. And so I reached out to Dave Ruff and we workshopped it a bit. He, myself and Brett Merriman kind of like we recorded some pilot episodes. We talked about co-hosts. We got Kate on board and uh, yeah, we kind of talked about it as like, let's see if this thing can hit quickly because a lot of people are home right now. A lot of people are just staying in watching streaming services. If we can capture some sort of moment here and turn it into a successful podcast we want to do it and that did not happen <laughs> that, <laughs> that was just it, maybe it was a misfire maybe it was like there was too much on the streaming services maybe Kate and i needed to focus more i think what really hurt us to be completely honest is we didn't have some sort of tentpole show that we could surround like right now, Ted Lasso is coming back and all people are going to be talking about is Ted Lasso season two. Yeah. Lasso last year, last summer in season one, it was kind of like an underground movement. People were kind of talking about it behind the scenes and it, be, it gained momentum after a few weeks. If that was something that Tate and I could have captured early, maybe we'd still be recording so many screens right now. Um, but sadly, no. And, uh, you know, I still love all those guys. Still, you know, we still keep in touch and like Tate and I are on good terms. She just got married, got engaged as well. Yeah. And yeah, man, like just, that's just the, that's the content game is like you try as much as you can. And it's always so funny. What sticks to the wall. So many screens sadly didn't. And it's a bummer, but it's all right. Yeah. I coming from a guy who has operated a podcast in the same uh, category as so many screens, the t- TV and, and movies, uh, category of, of things for two years or almost three years now, a little over three no- years now. Wow. Um, it, it's tough, man. And, and you'd think that episodes like <laughs> our best episode, man, to this day is a few months ago when HBO Max dropped the Tom and Jerry movie, huh. which I'm not sure if you saw and if you were a fan, no offense, but Man, it was garbage. It was a garbage movie, and me and my co-host basically just drilled into it for 30 minutes. Yeah. Uh, we usually don't spend that much time on one movie, but we just drilled it, and it got like a considerable amount of attention to the point where I was like, oh my god, this is it. Like This is the episode that has caught on, and then the next episode, it did well again, maybe a little less, but maybe a, a couple thousand streams less. And I was like, okay, that's still cool. And we're back to normal now. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and and it's annoying as hell because like, I tried to be, you know, like obviously with the pandemic and not being able to go to movie theaters, I tried to say like, okay, I'm going to subscribe to all these streaming services that are going to have all of these new movies out right away. I'm going to review them right away and I'm going to just be on top of it. And even then, man, it's just hard as shit. Like, especially with people with like like my i guess my biggest like competitor i guess would be like lights camera bar stool like those guys are just on it and they get like and and i say biggest competitor by like a milestone like <laughs> i was like, gonna say man i was like those are, guys are like top of the charts and doing a great job exactly so like those guys are on it and they and they get guests of like 
amazing celebrities and stuff and and yeah. you know they're they're in their own realm and i'm just like damn man like i've been doing this for 200 plus episodes like come on like when's this yeah. gonna take off and and it yeah. might not ever take off but you know what i'm i'm cool with it like if i'm just doing binge boys for the rest of my life and it just gets mediocre views whatever i i have fun doing it dude as long as you have fun it just doesn't feel like a chore and you're and it's making you happy then who cares it yeah man different people go into the content game for different reasons i probably at the onset of me diving in which is you know god 10 years ago at this point was like i want to better my i want to uh, put my name out there i want to get like gigs I was, I was a stand-up comedian for 10 years and so i was like oh i want people to come to my shows because they've seen my content listened to me or read something um and then I realized that, like, that's cool, but, like, I'm not going to become famous or anything from that. And that wasn't even my goal. I just more wanted, like, eyeballs and and uh, earballs, I guess, on, on my work. But now I'm in it for not only love of the game, but for love of the medium. Like, I like to just figure out an area that I can drill into and make a name for myself. For all the things that I do, whether it's best of LinkedIn or that's a nice touch or any of the stuff that was, those were all just ideas I had that I thought, well, maybe no one's had this idea before. And maybe I could get some followers, some listeners, some, some audience. And um, yeah, so you, a few have worked out, but many, many, many more have been flops, sadly, but that's okay. Yeah, I guess that that's just how it goes. So let's rewind, man. Let's Let's go back. You mentioned, first of all, I didn't know that you were a stand-up comedian for, for 10 years. I'm, I'm now interested in that. What, at what point in time did you decide that you were going to do that? Or, or before you answer that, let's rewind even further. Sure. High school, J.R. Hickey, college, yeah. J.R. Hickey. What kind of what kid were you? I always ask oh people this. Like, what kind of kid were you in high school? Were you popular? Were you the class clown? Were you going for the laughs? What kind of kid were you in high school? I went to a private Catholic school 30 minutes away from where I grew up, like where my neighborhood was. And I was a neighborhood guy. All my close friends grew up on my block. The best man and all my groomsmen at my weddings are guys I grew up 300 feet from. I made very little friends at my own high school because I was too busy just like hanging in my hood kind of. But I was a decent athlete and I could jump really high when I was like 16. I could dunk a basketball by, by the time I was at like a seventh grader. So I played quite a bit of basketball and I was a very good uh, track and field athlete. I was a high jumper and a long jumper and a sprinter. So I had this like reputation at my high school as being an athlete, but not a lot of friends. Didn't date any girls from my own high school and was always back home hanging out with the public school kids and dating public school girls and wishing i could just be there instead of a 30 minute commute when you're 16 is a it's fucking a eternity i spent an hour a day in the car just to go to school and i hated being there so it, i think i guess that shaped me a little bit because i then went to depaul university in downtown chicago i'm from the west suburbs of chicago and again it was like just to kind of be close to home and be able to pop in and out of the neighborhood when i could and and, I, and really just kind of ingratiated myself in the city i went to depaul to do track and field Fucked up my hip, uh, quit that because the doctor was like, hey, do you want to walk or do you want to high jump for another year or two? And I was like, I'll take walking. And um, 
yeah, graduated in 2010 with like a media studies degree. Same thing as you. Always was interested in film, television, radio. Right out of school, jumped right into a date at a, at a top 40 radio station and uh, was like, oh, maybe I'll be an on-air personality. <laughs> and then when I got there and I was like, wait, nobody listens to the radio. Why would I want that? I yeah. literally was like, well, people watch TV. And I uh, got a job at 21st Century Fox working actually at FX, the television network. I was like, this is like the heyday of FX, like always sunny in Philadelphia, the lead, wow. Sons of Anarchy. And I was like, I'll take any job. I was, I literally got an assistant position. I was just getting coffee, doing expenses and like mailing out like, like shit to clients. And I ended up working there for four years. And that just kind of stoked my passion for like media and pop culture and television. And yeah, if I'm just continuing down the line, like I was, I kind of hit my ceiling there and, um, that was in 2013, 2014. And I fortunately met my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, and she lived in San Francisco. And I moved with her. Like after only knowing her for like six months, I was like, fuck it. Like I'll just move to California. I'd always wanted to go to California. Always wanted a reason to go to California. This girl was it. And so I did it. And uh, it was a total dice roll on my part. But uh it worked out, man. I'm still here. I just bought a house in Southern California, so I'm 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 never leaving. That's that's dope, man. Uh, and awesome. And again, awesome on the on the house. That's awesome. I I just uh, I I'm I'm not there yet. I almost did get a house, but I don't know how it is in California. But in Georgia, man, it's it's real tough right now. The market is not a fun place to be. So I'm I'm gonna do an apartment for one more year, and I think hopefully when things are better, I'll I'll reconsider with with my hopefully by then wife uh yeah. we'll see logan if you think it's bad in atlanta imagine what it's like in southern california yeah I'm, it's I'm... fucking nuts <laughs> and not even to like this isn't even like me sharing anything personal we made an offer on this house before we even saw it it's like sight unseen offers and we somehow got lucky and they accepted it there were yeah. six other offers within a day wow we got lucky. We got, I can't even explain how lucky we got. And so you have to just have like the balls kind of to be like, fuck it. Like we're going to throw an extraordinary amount of money and an extraordinary amount of personal risk and, you know, yeah. <laughs> wealth management, you know, <laughs> in, into a bucket and hope it works out. And, you know, we've only been at this house for a week now, so I can't tell you if it's worked out or not. <laughs> cool man well so before i ask more i i saw the you you're using a cubs uh yeti yeah, there yeah, and, yeah. and you went to school in chicago did you when you were a a, a toddler slash little kid were, were did you live in illinois is that where you're from originally yeah yeah I, I was born in the city of chicago like through kindergarten was on the northwest side went to middle school and high school in the west suburbs and then went back downtown to go to DePaul and then lived in the city of Chicago for five years afterwards. So it's literally, I think like a dead split in terms of like suburbs, city living. So I'm not one of those guys who's like, Oh, I'm from Naperville. And I say I'm from Chicago. I guess I yeah. lived a good amount in both places. That's cool, man. I, uh, I didn't mention up top, but, uh, I was actually, I, I moved around a lot as a kid. My dad's in commercial construction. So we did quite a bit of moving, but I was born in Champaign, Illinois, in, in nice. uh, right by the University of Illinois. And uh, my parents are, my mom's from uh, Bloomington, Illinois. And my dad is from a really, really small town uh, outside of uh, Champaign uh, in Illinois, too. So 
gotta rep represent illinois man where you can you, you meet people from illinois and it's almost like a like you're seeing a unicorn you're like oh my god you too <laughs> that's funny my mom's uh from peoria so right near there as well and my little brother went to uh u of i so yeah a lot of coincidences that? yeah my, my grandparents lived in roanoke Peoria, Bloomington area for 50 years. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious, almost maybe I'll ask you off Mike, what, what your mom's name is and maybe I'll throw it to my grandparents and I'm sure they know they seem, they seem to know everybody in that vicinity. So who knows, man, maybe there's a connection there. Sounds good. So, uh, let's, let's go back to, uh, the standup comedy. So when did the standup journey begin? When did you begin to, cause Growing up, you know, my family and my close friends were like, Logan, you're funny. You should go to an open mic thing. Or, mm-hmm. And I'm sure people were telling you similarly. When did you decide, like, or and how did you decide the the balls to, to you know what, I'm going to do it? Like, how did that work for you? I've always been someone who I don't really ask permission for things. I found, like, if you just, if you want something, do it. If you want something take it type thing and that you know there's obviously like rules around that and like i don't just like take whatever i want but long story short i was a huge stand-up comedy fan i went to a ton of shows i saw a lot of big time comedians before they were big when, when they would stop through chicago and doing like road digs and you know there's always always those guys when you go see a show like that and they're like i could do that dude i'm just as funny as them i'm i'm just as funny i could totally do that and i always thought that and never said it and then I, I moved apartments a lot when I was in Chicago. And I think I moved from Lincoln Park to the Gold Coast. And I l- moved to a street called Division Street. Division Street's a very happening street that has a ton of bars on it. And I moved above a bar called Bootleggers. And Bootleggers had Wednesday night open my comedy. So literally, like, I'd walk past it to go into my apartment building. And I was just like, fuck it. Like, it's time to put up or shut up. Like, I'm just gonna do this i'm not gonna tell anybody i just need to like see if i can do this and i went i did it i bombed spectacularly it's one of the most humiliating and invigorating feelings of my of your life i went to another open mic and i bombed again and again and again and again and again and you just it takes a certain amount of like um almost like it's, it's like it takes a certain amount of bravery, but also a certain amount of like delusion to continue to do that. It's hard <laughs> and it's not easy. And comedians suck and comedians are terrible people for the most part with huge personality flaws and substance abuse problems and ego issues and fucked up childhoods and navigating that world in the city of Chicago, which has a booming comedy scene was very educational for me. It gave me a bit of an edge that I think has really helped me. Uh, later in my life and you know did did like okay got some show taste spots did a few like weeknights at at some comedy clubs in the suburbs like you know ne- I never was like oh I'm some like rising star and then when I moved to San Francisco it's not like I can carry any of that like <laughs> reputation over to San Francisco I go to San yeah. Francisco I just start all over again and that yeah. sucks and like but I actually probably did better when I was in San Francisco as I had four or five years already under my belt. And then it, it really helped me because I was like, oh, I'm from Chicago. I'm in California. Here's everything I'm noticing about the two places. That actually like kind of carried my act for the first year or so. <laughs> uh, I would make all these jokes like uh, the homeless people in California are so lazy compared to the ones back in Chicago. But that's because in Chicago, every six months, they all die. 
<laughs> and like and, and people in California, people in Chicago love that joke because it's so true. There's just frozen dead homeless people everywhere. There's nothing to do about it. It's so cold. It's so dangerous. Yeah. People in California would get really upset and offended. They're like, oh, I can't believe you said that. Oh, and it was just this fun thing that I could play with. And I'd be like, oh, I'm sorry, you related to any of those homeless people? Is your sister a homeless person? Yeah. <laughs> there was like ways that I, I learned to navigate the whole thing. And uh, yeah, it's 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 like been said a million times, but the only way you get better at that is by sucking at it for a very long time. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure that's the, that's the case. I want to ask top three comedians right now for you. What, who right you got now, right now? I mean, the, like the number one thing that every white male comic, the number one guy that every white male comic or white male in America says is Bill Burr. Bill Burr is like considered a comics comic and like, not, I'm not gonna be that fucking guy who's like, I knew about Bill Burr, but I saw him come to Chicago and do a set in front of like 25 people. And he then came through Santa Rosa, California, like a couple hours north of San Francisco. I saw him do a stadium, and afterwards he like shakes hands, and I went up to him and I was like, Bill, I saw you do this tiny set with Joe DeRosa back in Chicago. He's like, holy shit, dude, you saw that show? He's like, yeah. holy fucking shit. He's like, thank you so much for coming to the show. And I was, and I and like, so seeing him grow from this, tiny small room show into what he is now all the netflix specials all the shows he's always going to be my number one he also was one of the first comedians to podcast that type of thing um manistalco's awesome he's becoming kind of a parody of himself but i like him because he's from the northwest side of chicago he's so big that he's like selling out madison square garden i'm trying to think of like someone like like young or someone like under the radar who like is up and coming, but it's really been hard to stay on top of comedy during the pandemic because there's so much else I want to watch and so many like shows. So I'll, let me get back to you on the third guy, honestly. But, okay. Like, Burr and Manistalco are like two, and those are two pretty like standard answers, I think. I think so. I mean, Burr is one of my answers for sure. I mean, yeah. he's he, I, I forget where I discovered him. I probably honestly saw somebody share a clip of him on Facebook or something way back when. That's how I discovered my other favorite, probably my favorite comic ever is, uh, or right now at least, is Jim Gaffigan. Somebody yep. shared his famous bit about McDonald's or Hot Pockets or something. Pockets, and ever since yeah. then, I, I was like, it always amazed me because when I see like stand-up comics, you see them just profane and you know cussing up a storm and jim gaffigan was able to nail that like no dirty humor just observational yep. everyday humor and ever since then i was like you don't have to cuss to be funny because whenever i tell jokes or whenever i do things in front of people i always want to go the darker cusser or dark humor route and he doesn't have to do that and it just works because he, his delivery is just amazing yeah so but but then you have people on the complete opposite end of the spectrum literally with bill burr that is just an absolute amazing comic i i really want to go see him i i was starting to go and see a lot more stand-up shows before the uh pandemic hit but then obviously it hit and nobody was performing so i had to just listen to him rant on his podcast which is which is just fun in its own in its own way but um i'm curious man i i i, I think one of the first things when i first followed you was i noticed that you did or i noticed that a lot of people in that same circle followed the best of linkedin 
Like they followed this account, they retweeted the account, and it kept popping up on my timeline. I was like, what the hell is this shit? Like, so I finally followed it, and all of the stuff that you do is is so true because we're all on LinkedIn. We all see these messages. We all get random uh, friend requests from these random leaders, and they all send us the same messages. And it's like, how can you make fun of this? And and you just do it. What encouraged <laughs> you to to do it? Um, I told you a little bit off mic about how I, I my early career was in sales, and I hated it. And I'm now doing like content creation uh, and writing full time. So in that last year of sales, I had to. I worked at a terrible company in the Bay Area that was very clearly going out of business, and they wanted me to prospect on LinkedIn, essentially like cold reach out to people who work at companies, trying to get them to buy my product, our product. And the product sucked, didn't work. So it was essentially me lying. And so I had to spend all day on LinkedIn, and I would see these people on LinkedIn who would call themselves. Linked influencers, like oh, people God, who had I hate that followings and reputations and audiences, and they would tell these asinine stories and these insane, like made up tales of bravado and business acumen, and they were so patently, transparently fake and false. But because it's LinkedIn and because it's your base and your full name, and your company, and your title, not many people were like calling them out on it and being like, well, that never fucking happened, or like your two-year-old isn't even capable of saying words like that, or like, no, Michael Jordan isn't like, you know, his commercial doesn't mean that you're a better business manager, whatever. So I just like bored at my desk, started a LinkedIn, started a Twitter account called Best of LinkedIn, and kind of hid behind this avatar of a of a, of a clown in a business suit. And just like, you know, I, I kind of respect people's privacy. I, I block out their last names and their companies. And it's, it's like a writing exercise for me. I just tee off on some of my favorites, some of the worst offenders that sent to me. And it's a really easy way to just like, I, I read a post and if I immediately think of something funny, I post it. If, I, if I'm sitting there and trying to think of something funny, I don't post it because. And you're trying to force work, it. And I'm trying to force it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I now, I think the account has like on Instagram and Twitter combined, it has probably over 50,000 followers. I now did so many submissions that I can't even keep up with them. I have so many people DMing me screenshots, texting me screenshots. Please roast this guy. I hate this guy. I work for this guy. I think there's something funny about it because like all these people want to do it themselves, but they can't. So they turn to like this random dude on the internet who like, well, is happy to do it. Um, It's funny because you never think something like that. You never, like with content, this is a dumb analogy, but the internet is like a river and people like us, the content creators, the the writers, the comedians, the podcasters, we're all standing on that shore of that river and we're throwing rocks into the river. And most of the time, the rocks don't even make a splash and the river just carries them down down the river. But every once in a while, you throw something and it makes a giant splash. And it's never the thing that you think it'll be. I thought so many screens was going to be a hit. I did not think Best of LinkedIn was going to be popular. Best of LinkedIn has been featured on Barstool a bunch of times. The New York Times interviewed me about Best of LinkedIn. I just did an interview with The New Yorker about Best of LinkedIn. It's this stupid social media account I made just to make fun of people and let off a little steam has got more traction than anything else I've done on social media 
in five years. And that's what's just funny about the internet and the content game. It's never what you expect it to be. And that's what annoys me too is because because, you know, sometimes like, you know, I, I put my heart and soul into these podcasts. I really work at it. Like you said, I think we were talking off mic. You said it's a job. It's a job to do this. And I do. And I work at it and I work my nine to five and I get home and I work from five to eight every night and on the weekends just trying to build this thing. And then, like you said, just something you did as a joke or for fun, like yep. it, it just takes off and, and it. You know, it's it's like that when they say that if you try to go viral, you're not going to go viral. Exactly. Yep. So it, that's that's one of the biggest lessons I've I've started to learn. But in in transitioning now over to what you're doing right now, so where did and how how did I feel like it's another one of those things like me where you just you thought about it, you said screw it, I'm going to put it out there, and if it gets a if it's a hit, then I'm going to keep doing it. Where did where did that's a nice touch? Where did that come from, man? Because the first one I saw, I was like, I was like, oh, so you're do you're doing this now. But the more and more you posted it, I was like, okay, I get it. I get it, and I'm in. I get it, and I'm in. <laughs> yeah, man. I don't mean to laugh so hard. It's just another one of those things. It's. I think I wanted to make a transition into video. I was like, I need to start posting videos. Like again, I did stand up for ten years. All of our cameras are HD now. With TikTok and Reels, there's like a real potential to like make some cool videos that people will see. And I was trying to think of how to do videos for best of LinkedIn. I was like, Oh, I'll like, excuse me. I'll flash the post and then I'll like show a video of me reacting to it. Or I'll do like a rant style video every week. I was like, maybe I'll do, Oh my God. Sorry. Maybe no. I'll do like the best of the best of LinkedIn every week or something. And as I started thinking that logistically, I was like, that is going to be a shit ton of work. And I don't know how long that would capture people's attention for. What I need to think of is something that's like short and funny and like easily, easily replicable and super relatable. But I didn't think of any of those things when I did the first That's a Nice Touch video. I was out to dinner with my brother who was in town visiting and my wife and we were drunk. And I was like telling him, I was like, you know, this, I had this cocktail that they made me and they made an ice cube out of a watermelon. They used like watermelon juice, froze it, and then put it in the cocktail so that when the ice melted, it didn't like water down your cocktail. It made it like more watermelon flavored. And I was like, damn, that is a nice touch. And I was like, I should start just doing videos of like little nice touches that like we all know little bits of like value or like things that make things feel a little more exclusive or um, – elevated these little things that no normally are at like hotels restaurants and at airbnbs these types of places so i've made like 20 videos so far they're doing good i mean they do really good on instagram they don't do very good on tiktok i, I might just be too old for tiktok but <laughs> it's funny man like people get it immediately and they like it and they reference it and they replicate it and people send me theirs and it's fun i need to do more it's it's one of those things where like i need to do it constantly but it's actually really hard to find nice touches like regularly. I would basically have to just go to like a resort in like Singapore and walk around all day and film myself being like, look at that waterfall. That's a nice touch. Look at that thing. That's a nice touch. So like, I don't want it to be like diluted. A lot of times my wife will be like, oh, look, the cleaning lady left us an extra box of tissues. That's a nice touch. And I'm like, yeah, it is, but it's not like, 
for the internet, that's a nice touch. Yeah. It's like for me and you, whereas yeah. I, I need to somehow share this in like a, like, Hey, come to this restaurant. Look what they did. That's a nice touch. Hey, I'm in this location. Turns out they do this here and that is a nice touch. So I'm still trying to figure it out, obviously. But yeah, just another one of those things. No plan to turn that into anything. But that first video got a lot of positive reactions and a lot of views. And fuck it. I'll just keep going. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I think the first one I saw, and it's funny because I saw it happen last weekend, I'm pretty sure, two weeks ago. It's the one where you're talking about the mint leaf that the bartender smacks on the, on the yeah. arm. Yeah. And when I saw that for the first time, I was like, I have never seen that. And then like two weeks ago, I, I have this job on the weekends where I work part time as like a host at a pizza restaurant nice. just for some extra dough. No pun intended. Ah, and um. And, and I saw the bartender smack a leaf on her <laughs> arm. And I thought, that's a nice touch. <laughs> Damn, dude, and, that is a nice touch. <laughs> and, and ever since then, it almost came full circle. I was like, holy shit. J.R. Hickey was right. That's a nice touch. Yep. That's amazing. Uh, I, I'm in on the movement now. Like, and it's a, even it's a movement, man. And, my, and my fiance, like, she knows that I'm obsessed with the content game and she knows all of you guys, all the personalities I follow and she watches them with me. And I think the other day we were out to eat and I said, like, I was like looking around, just like watching like the servers or something. And she was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm honestly looking for a, that's a nice touch. Like, <laughs> so I could send one to you and be like, bro, I've got a nice touch that you should, yeah. that you should share with your people. And it's it's just fun, man. But then again, like it goes back to the LinkedIn thing where you say, like, if you're out there like hunting for something, chances yeah. are it's going to be less meaningful than yep. when the bartender smacks the leaf in front of you and it catches you off guard and you're like, oh, shit, that's a nice touch. And then you're like, oh, that was natural instead of you forcing it. Yeah. And that's the fine line with the account. It's like I could make a shit ton of these, but it would get really diluted because it would be stupid. It would be like. It would be like a lot of me just like at my house or like me like one, you know, at, at my desk. Like, so I, I usually try to do a bunch when I'm on vacation, if I'm in a separate town or if I'm visiting a new place and I'm noticing a bunch of things. So they come and go in spurts. Um, check out the account if you guys, if anyone listening is interested. It's, it's at now that's a nice touch. That's a nice touch was sadly taken, but at now that's a nice touch on Instagram and Twitter, not Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. Um, yeah, it's fun. I'm trying to, I'll try to make more. I'm going to do some traveling in the next month or so. So hopefully just to make some more. Hey man, if you, I think we were talking a little uh, off mic, but if you come to Atlanta uh, yeah. and, you, and you see an opportunity to do a, that's a nice touch, I will gladly come along and film you while you do this. That's a nice touch. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, like I was texting with Will DeFreeze the other day. Cause I just got back from Mexico and I was at this resort and he's like, dude, I stayed at that resort and there are so many that's a nice touches around that resort. And I was like, I can only find six. And we were talking about some of the things that I missed. And it's just, it's like, where's Waldo or something? It doesn't, yeah. It's so silly. And it's, it's, I don't know. My wife likes to say she loves it so much because it's one of the first positive things I've done. Every other <laughs> content thing has been me making fun of people, being negative, just being in general kind of an asshole. So this is like me, like, Look at how great this thing is. And she just likes the like positivity about it. She's yeah. also like, you know, in ipso facto, like my director, you know, she's holding the camera 90% of the time. So 
Yeah, I was gonna say I know that she's the star of a few of the videos, oh, yeah. and it, I'm, it's like it's it's great that this guy's wife is just all in on his content <laughs> because half the time, whenever I'm in public and I'm like, "Ooh, film me do this," she's like, <laughs> "Again," and yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, no, 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 this one's gonna be good. This one's gonna be good. Come on." It has um, to be it has to be within reason. If we're at a nice restaurant and I'm paying for it, and I'm like, "You got to film me doing this," she's like, "All right, fine." <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So. JR Hickey, there is uh there comes a point in every episode that I transition and I stop asking guests about uh obviously what they're known for and more about who they are as people. I ask every guest the same the same 10 or 11 questions just to get to know them. They're kind of rapid fire speed okay. questions. Okay. Uh their first date kind of questions, so it, but it's also just a good way to uh to get to know somebody. So are you ready? Hit me with them. All right. Number one, what was your first ever job? I was a warehouse foreman at a ball bearings factory in Roselle, Illinois at the age of 13. I was a grown man. I hit puberty when I was 12. And my dad was like, you're lazy. I got you a job at my friend's warehouse. And I was like, I can't even legally work here. And he's <laughs> like, well, you're, whatever, you're, you're working. And I got paid $6 an hour cash under the table. And my dad took three of those $6 an hour, $3 of that, and said, I'm putting it in your college fund. He did not put it in my college fund. <laughs> that sounds the, that is the most dad thing I have ever heard. I got you a job and I'm taking a, I don't know, a seventh of your paycheck. I think it was just to get me out of the house and get me tired every day. So I had to like, you know, come home and go to bed. Yeah. Okay. That's dope. Um, if you were an animal, what would you be? I'd like to say something that can jump because I, I used to be able to jump really high and I can't anymore because I hurt my hip. So I don't know, like a grasshopper or a kangaroo or something. Okay, good answer. You know what? A, a flea, I think, is like the highest jumping animal. It can jump like 200 times its like height. So if I if I had the fleas jumping ability, I could jump like over buildings and stuff. That'd be tight. Yeah, Superman. Uh, um, what is the best concert you've ever been to? Uh, so I live in Southern California in the desert, like out near uh, Palm Springs, near Coachella Valley. And every year we go to Coachella, which is cool and uh, one of the biggest music festivals ever. But in 2016, they did something called Old Cella. Old Cella was a three-day music festival. Each day, two bands performed, and they each got a full concert set. And those six bands or groups were the Rolling Stones, The Who, Paul McCartney, Bob Dylan, Neil Young, and Roger Waters and his Jeez. band. So every night I saw like a three-hour Rolling Stones set, and then Paul McCartney came on and did a three-hour set after that. And the next night was three hours of The Who and three hours of Bob Dylan. So that probably is the coolest experience I've ever had. They only did it once. They're never doing it again. It was too much money. It cost them too much money. I'm uh, sure. And it was also a month before the Cubs won the World Series, so it was a good month for me. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds incredible. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Um, you understand the words stan, mute, and cancel, I'm sure. Stan, mute, and cancel. Kind of, yeah. Keep going. Uh, okay. I think I got it. So we're playing a game of stan, mute, cancel, uh, right. and that is with queso, guac, and salsa. That trifecta of appetizer dips. Yeah, I'll I'll stan guac. Okay. I'll mute queso, love queso, but I got a little lactose intolerance, you know, as a, mm. as a 34-year-old, like, you know, Dairy makes a little rumbly in my tumbly, um, but I still love it. And uh, salsas, you know, a good salsa is kick ass, but like I'm, I'm not like ever dying for a salsa, so uh, we'll cancel salsa. Okay, good answer. 
Um, dinner with three people, dead or alive. Three people. Jesus. Um, That's a popular answer. Yeah. Jesus. No, not Jesus. Uh, <laughs> man, I don't know. That Pete one always stumps people. Pete Maravich, the okay. all-time leading college basketball scorer, averaged 44 points a game without uh, a three-point line. Him, definitely. Um, I don't know. I think I'd want to go like a dead musician, but I, I don't know who. Yeah, this is killing. This is like stumping me a little bit, man. This is the one that always stumps people. They never know what to answer. It's usually you're used to the w- dinner with one person, dead or alive. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, c- I can go to the next. It's all good. One more, like a famous. Like film director who's since passed away, Stanley Kubrick, Francis Ford Coppola, just someone who's like been at the apex of like uh, film entertainment. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, that would be tight. Um, keeping it on that movie front, then, uh, what's one movie you wish you could go back and rewatch for the very first time? Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting's my favorite movie. Some of the best writing in film. Yeah, and uh, obviously great performances by. Damon and Affleck. I just don't remember when I saw it for the first time. But like, if I could see that again right now for the first time, it would probably change my life. Yeah, absolutely. That's an incredible movie. I saw it for the first time, I think maybe five years ago. And when I did, I was like, okay, I get it now. I get yeah. I get the the uh, the chatter around Goodwill Hunting. It's incredible. Yeah, timeless. Uh, keeping it also one more time on the, on the movie train, when you go to the theater to see a new movie, what are you getting? Are you a major snack guy? Or are you a sneak candy in their back pocket? What kind of movie snacks are you doing? Well, I'm definitely sneaking it in. I mean, not that I'm cheap. I just like, like my own candy. Like, you know, the lit, the selection at movie theaters is pretty limited. So like I, knowing me, this is going to sound super weird, but there's a, an incredible saltwater taffy place nearby that has like Ooh. literally buckets of like, 150 different flavors of saltwater taffy. So I would just like load up a bag of like a bunch of different flavors and just, just chomp away and probably pull out one of my molars during the, during the, during the movie. I, I love saltwater taffy. So I highly support that decision. So, so I'm, I'm all in on saltwater taffy. Um, what is your, uh, what's your chicken wing flavor? Good question. You know, I like a good Thai chili. That's kind of an odd one, but like a, a Thai chili spice. I don't mind spice. It's like, you know, my wife from Southern California likes spicy food. Like, I wonder if it's just like I've adapted her palate a little bit. Okay, it's a good answer. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm a little bit of a my growing up. My my brother and sister and I would always make fun of my dad whenever we went to like a Buffalo Wild Wings. He'd get mild and he'd be over on the other side of the table just sweating. And we would be like, <laughs> "That is such a wimp. He's he's eating mild and sweating." But me now, as a as a grown man of myself, like I can't. I can do spicy, but I can't eat ten spicy wings. I yeah, can maybe. No, eat, totally. I could eat like three spicy wings, but I, I'm usually a garlic parmesan guy. Yeah. Um, if they do it right, a lot of restaurants just like sprinkle parmesan cheese on a on a chicken wing and call that parmesan garlic yeah. which which is just sucky but trash. uh but yeah yeah absolute trash um what is your greatest fear uh deep water when i was a young boy my family like my extended family had a cottage in wisconsin 
and there was a lake across the street from the cottage, but it was a man-made quarry that had been filled in. And someone told us that there was uh, an abandoned train at the bottom of the lake. And it was like pretty far down. This is a quarry. Quarries are extraordinarily deep. Yeah. And for some reason, like being seven, eight years old and swimming in that lake and knowing that there was like a train underneath me, it just, that whole concept freaked me the fuck out. And like to this day, like, I've never been on a cruise ship. I don't like getting on boats even. Like just the idea of not knowing what's underneath you, that scares the shit out of me. That is my also number one fear, man. I, I I tell people often that like, hey, if we if we take a trip and at any point there's an opportunity that like everyone's like, let's get on the boat, I will respectfully decline. Like, yeah, I I'm not necessarily afraid of the ocean. I'm just more of afraid of not being able to see what's ten feet below below me. It could be nothing. It could be just seaweed, but I yeah. don't care. It, I I have to be able to see it. Do you know what that's called? I don't called facilophobia. Uh, I, I like to browse Reddit before I go to sleep and I follow the facilophobia subreddit, which is fucking stupid. Is it's just a bunch of people posting like these terrifying videos of being in, in super deep water, but oh, I don't know. No. it's more, it's more like I'm like torturing myself a little bit. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and then finally, if I snapped my fingers right now and you and I were transported to a time and place in history, to witness some kind of event or movie or concert or or historical event, document signing, whatever, what would we go check out? Uh, the birth of Hitler, and I'd kill the baby. <laughs> That's a great I'd answer. Try, I'd, I'd look you in the eyes, Logan, and I would wring its neck and just be like, <laughs> I'm saving tens of millions of people. And, the, yeah. and you know, Mrs. Hitler is like screaming and crying and like you can have sex with her or something. I don't know. well awesome man those were my those are my questions um thank you so much for jumping on man man. i really appreciate your time and uh i love your content man i'm i'm gonna keep following along maybe we'll do something in the future together who knows uh but now is your time to plug away whatever handles you want to give out whatever you got going on give it to me sure yeah i'm at jr will do it on I think everything, Instagram, Twitter, etc. And then, yeah, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm doing the now. That's a nice touch on Instagram and TikTok right now. Those are those are the main things I need. I need followers on. So uh, let's do that. At that's at now. That's a nice touch on Instagram and TikTok. There you go, guys. I'll plug uh, his links down in the description of the episode so that they are easy to find. And after you follow him, like I said at the top, follow me on Instagram at Exchange with Logan. If you want to follow me on Instagram and Twitter personally, Logan Lewis96. We'll see everybody next time. Goodbye. Thanks, man.